Well, good morning, everyone, and um, it's good to be with you and share with you. Um, I guess my goal in sharing is I want the name of Jesus to be glorified, and I want um, each of you to get a um, fuller picture of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to walk by faith. So um, I'm titling my sermon this morning, From Fear to Faith. So it's a bit of, I guess, a bit of a personal journey um, that I want to share with you as well. I feel like especially in the last year, um, I've really been on a journey of recognizing what fear looks like in my own life. And it's a pretty powerful force. So just something for each one of you to think about. If you were to think about the two words, fear or faith, um, which would you say has the strongest power in your life? Um, we all know we don't want to be controlled by fear, and we all know we want to be men of faith or women of faith. But if we look at ourselves honestly, where are we at on that? Are we fearful people, or are we, are we people of faith? So, and I know in, with both those things, when you look at fear and we think about faith, both of those subjects could be very uh, diverse or complex. There could be many things to them. So what I say this morning is probably not going to cover everything that could be said about those things. But, I, yeah, I think there's, it's been a really powerful learning thing for me, and I want to share that with you. So first of all, I guess to start with a story, so I was trying to, um, I thought of a story and thinking about fear and faith in my own life. Uh, this happened probably when I was about 15 years old. So I had an older brother that went to work at a boys' camp in Pennsylvania, this Bald Eagle Boys' Camp. And um, he was there for a bit. And at one point, my whole family decided to go visit him. So we all loaded up in the van and went to visit him. I think it was during the summer. And one of the things we chose to do was go to the swimming hole. They had, there at the camp, they have a big swimming hole. And I had not been that exposed to swimming before then. Before then I had not learned to swim. It was one of my uh, insecurities, I guess you should say. I feel like most people at 15 should know how to swim, but I didn't know how to swim. And I was kind of scared about that. Anyway, so we were all there at the swimming hole, and my brother knew I couldn't swim. And I think... He learned to swim older, too, and so in trying to help me, he told me, he said, well, you just got to jump in. He said, the way you learn to swim, you just jump in. You can't sit around and just wait for it to happen. You just got to go. So I had a bit of faith in him. I figured he kind of knew what he was talking about, probably. So um, I stepped up to the edge, and this was about probably like an eight-foot hole or something, so it definitely was going to be over my head. And I jumped in, and sure enough, I went under. It's one of the first times I think I experienced like going under and you hear the water bubbling all around your head and stuff. And sure enough, I panicked. And so there I was in the water, um, flailing and paddling. He had said you're just supposed to float, but I didn't see any floating happening. So I was flailing, and he had to jump in, and he pulled me out. And so that was that. That was my first um, introduction to a big swimming hole. And... Um, I did eventually learn to swim. I don't, still don't call myself an expert swimmer, but I did, I did learn what it means to trust and to relax. That helps you a lot in swimming. But I see that as an example of, I guess, fear and faith. And in that situation, I think fear, when you panic, fear takes control of you and you go down. And I feel like sometimes in our Christian life and just in our, just our daily life, fear can take us down sometimes. 
Uh, that's not how God designed it to be. And it's interesting enough, we were just having a conversation in science school about this, but my opinion is that fear is not sin. Um, it's our response to fear. Because we're all fear is an emotion that we're all going to have and as humans we're going to have. But then it's our choice what we do with that. And there's a, there's a way to do it right. There's a way to respond in the right ways and then there's very unhealthy ways to respond. I uh, just wanted to read a verse in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So, I just wanted to put that out there to say that God does not want us to be fearful people. And he says, love, or I, I equate love with relationships, um, our love, our relationships are made perfect. Um, sorry, when we, when we have perfect love and perfect relationships, then the fear is gone. And it says at the end there, he that feareth, feareth is not made perfect in love. So if we are going to be fearful people, we lose that love, we lose that relationship. So God does not want that in our life. <clears throat> so, just, yeah, to start with here, I want to think about Fear. I don't want to end with fear. I want to end with faith. But just, I think, think about the nature of fear. Because it really helped me on my journey to understand where my fear came from. Because there was times when I'd be struggling with something. And I, I guess we have all these emotions, but maybe we don't understand where they're coming from. And I find in, in opening my Bible and looking at it, Fear goes the whole way back to creation, or to the fall of man, I guess we should say, where all of our sins started. It started with Adam and Eve's disobedience. We have in Genesis, um, it says Abraham was, or sorry, not Abraham, Adam and Eve were afraid, and they hid themselves. So I'm the kind of person that likes to see things in pictures, so I'm going to draw a bit of a diagram here. Part of this diagram is my own creation, and part of it, it's something I got from a book, so I don't take full credit for it. But just it, in seeing this, it really helped me understand, I guess, helped me understand myself a little better. So, so to start off with, um, we're just going to draw a big circle here. Actually, okay, that's fine. And we're going to say this big circle is God. Or maybe we can say the universe, everything. We can say this is encompassing everything. So, in the beginning, it says there was God. So God was everything, and then it said God created. So God created this universe, and in this universe, He put many different things. So we have plants, um, animals. stars, many other things. But one of the crown of his creation, I would say, was mankind. So I'll put man down here. So we have man and woman was created there. So that was his universe. <clears throat> so when, when he created it, um, God said, he said this multiple times, he said, this is good. And especially after he created man, he said, this is very good. So I'm going to write this up here. Um, I'll just write this over here. He says, 
this is good. So all of this, he said, is good. So I think that's a good starting spot for us. And so right after creation, it says Adam and Eve walked with God, and they knew God. So there was, there was a perfect connection. There was nothing, nothing come between man and God, and they could walk together, and there was no shame or fear. And I, in talking about here, I want to equate fear with shame, because I think the two of them are pretty closely related. Um, so that's how it was. And then we know the story. At some point, Satan comes in in the form of a serpent. And he gives Adam a choice, or Eve, Adam and Eve a choice. And suddenly, they could choose to eat of the forbidden fruit. And this tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we all know Adam made that choice of disobedience. And sure enough, when they chose that disobedience, they were given knowledge. So now suddenly they had knowledge of sin. Adam and Eve were aware of their disobedience. They were aware of, of their weakness in compared to a holy God. I guess their impurity in compared to a holy God. So to demonstrate this knowledge, I want to draw some circles. So we have man here. And I'm going to draw two circles here. So... Suddenly man becomes more complex because he knows more now. So we have man, and then this is, and think about ourselves. This, this is really who we are, but then we have a layer of shame around that. And fear, all right. And then this outer layer becomes a shell of what others see, all right. Or protection, our protection. Protection. What? Others see. So, so suddenly Adam and Eve became fearful. They had fear in their hearts and they wanted to hide. So they became aware of this shame or this fear around them. And then they wanted to put up another barrier to hide from God because they felt so unclean. And they did that, they went and hid, they made clothes for themselves, and they, they were afraid. It says that they were afraid. So, all of us now, as descendants of Adam, we've inherited, you can call it the sinful nature. I, I want to, this morning, say it's this knowledge of sin. We've all inherited this knowledge of sin. And I believe each one of us, when we're born, when we're created in our mother, um, it is good. God said, this is good. I, and I believe I was created by God, so I believe God created me good. Um, but he created me good, but then by being born into this world, I also inherited this sinful nature, this shame that comes with it. So I think even to this, even as a Christian, and all of us to this day, we have these layers. We have the first layer that I want to say the real us. So it's, that's the person that's at the core of you. And I don't know who you think knows you the best. But even the, probably the person that knows you the best does not completely know the real you that's in there. I mean, hopefully as you get to know them better, you know more and more. And then each of us have a next layer is how we feel about ourselves. We all have thoughts about ourselves. And I don't know what you tell yourself, if you tell yourself good thoughts or bad thoughts. But we tell ourselves stuff. 
And other people tell us stuff as well. People can tell us encouragements, and sometimes people can tell us really nasty things, can abuse us. And that, what we tell ourselves and what other people tell us, shapes this, this area of our life. And then, we also, we all have an outer shell that we show other people. What, we, what we're going to tell people, how we want people to perceive us. So we all kind of live, we all live in that, that world there. And I guess the reason I show that to you is because the fear I want to talk about this morning is, I'm talking about what happens in that second layer there. Because for me, that was a, that was a big journey for me, just recognizing what that was, and actually being able to speak to other people about it. <clears throat> so, yeah, like I said, fear can have many different aspects, and I know this probably won't cover everything, because you can have fear as simple as, I'm afraid of snakes, or I'm afraid of whatever. Like, that's a fear as well. But I guess the fear I want to focus in more on this morning is um, the fear that's deep down inside us that maybe we're not okay. Or maybe something's not quite right with us. And I found, for my, in my personal journey, the one, there's one thing that really builds this, this fear is lies we tell ourselves. So I was telling you, I don't know what you're telling yourself, what you believe about yourself. But we get caught up in telling these lies. And I really think it's, it's from Satan. That's what, that's what Satan wanted to create there in the Garden of Eden. He wanted to... Um, he wanted us as humans to tell ourselves lies because lies and darkness takes us away from God. That was his, it breaks our relationship with God. So I just wrote three things here, lies that actually I've told myself before. Um, one of the big ones is I don't think I'm good enough. Um, maybe God made a mistake when he made me. It just wasn't. And I would sometimes see myself as, probably if I looked to crowd of people, um, I'm probably the most mistaken person of any of you. I feel that way. And I think there's something to be said about humility, but then there's also self-deprecation, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, another lie I would tell myself is I was afraid I was going to be easily rejected. It's like I have to do something to please you. If you're going to be my friend, I need to make sure you like me, and so I'm going to do good stuff. And that was a lie. And I think rejected by others and also possibly fear I'd be rejected by God, so I have to perform in good ways to be accepted by Him. And another lie I would tell myself sometimes is I'm just a failure. I'm a failure at a lot of things I do, and I'm going to be a failure. And that's a really dark lie to tell ourselves as well. But we all get caught in that trap some days, I believe. And what happens if we tell ourselves those lies and continue in them, um, these walls around us get get thicker and thicker, and our relationship with God and with others gets more and more hindered. Um, it becomes a very spiritually weak place for us to be, and um, for myself, I think I experienced in that, being caught up in some of that, I experienced um, addictions, comes into that, um, distance in relationships with others, distance from God, um, also becoming passive, like I'm not being intentional with my life anymore. I'm kind of caught up in myself, and I'm not seeing anything beyond myself. So that's kind of the dark side of fear. Um, let's move now more to thinking about faith, or moving from fear to faith, because we recognize that we're all kind of caught up in this, but we also recognize that we want to be men of faith, 
And I was amazed, actually, in reading the Bible. The Bible is full of men of faith and men that faced fearful things and moved to faith. And even um, Dan was speaking this morning about our Anabaptist heritage. There's many men of faith there. So there's lots of witnesses around us. Um, just reading another reading from Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah, sorry, let me find it here. 41 and verse 10 says, and this is, this is Isaiah speaking to the children of Israel in a time when they were, um, I don't know, had a lot to fear, I'm sure. Enemies were taking them over. But over and over, God says this. He says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So God does not want us to be fearful people. I just want to say that over and over again. God wants us to be strengthened by him. So um, another thing I want to put in here, just adding to our, to our um, diagram, and actually I want to go to some of the, the, te- some of the um, to Mark, thinking about the life of Jesus and some things that he taught there. And so I wanted to put Jesus on this, on this um, diagram because he comes into play then whenever he is born, he comes to the earth. So Jesus, as the Son of God, I'll put him right here. Jesus has become our path to build this, build this connection again. Um, that connection that was broken, Jesus came to, re- to, to build that back again in a way to break down some of those walls. So, if you want to, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 5. I want to just look at a story that happened in the life of Jesus. And I'm going to be reading a bit more here. Mark chapter 5, verse 22 to 43. So, in reading this, I want to think about what is faith. Because there's two miracles that happen here, and Jesus references faith in this. <clears throat> so Mark chapter 5, verse 22. I'll start reading at verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. This is coming to Jesus. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, Knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and behold thy plague. While he yet spake, 
There came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John, the brother of John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kuma, which is interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no, no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. So we have a story there of two miracles that Jesus performed. And I think an example of two people, a man and a woman, that had, had some things happen in their life that I'm sure created much fear. But God says, Jesus says, in verse 34, he says, daughter of faith. He called the woman a woman of faith. And I believe, um, so in thinking about what faith is, I think faith is believing this. Or it's, it's, um, it's believing that I am hurt, I am broken, I, am, I feel shame, but I believe that God is good and that God can heal, and I believe that Jesus is the way to God. That's what both this woman and this Jairus, the ruler, said. I, he, and they said this, they actually their actions said it more than their words, because Jairus took the, took the effort to go out and talk to Jesus. It says he was a ruler of the synagogue, and if we know much about the synagogue, how Jesus related to people in the synagogue, wasn't always that friendly, but Jairus stepped out and said, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the healer, and this woman as well. Now, this woman apparently had too great a shame or too great a fear to be able to stand up or to walk up to Jesus and talk to him, but she said, if I just get to Jesus and touch him, and that was her faith, and God, Jesus blessed her for that faith. So that's, that's a picture of what faith is, and... I wanted to think about three, three things now, three steps, or I guess three things we can think of in thinking of a journey from fear to faith, three things that um, can help us on that. The first um, step I want to talk about is just finding truths to combat the lies that can make this circle of fear and shame get worse for us, because I was talking earlier about, about lies. So the first um, truth that we need to tell ourselves to help us on this journey is that what God has created is good. God does not create bad things. He creates good things. And so you, as a created person in the image of God, you were created good. So it's a lie if we tell ourselves otherwise. And it goes back to this. God says, this is good. Um, The second truth that I think we can hold on to to help with our fear is that I am fully loved. And reject this, this lie that I'm unloved or I'm unlovable or people don't like me. And just want to read a few verses in Romans chapter 8, talking about 
the love of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And this is talking about people that have come to God, or what's it say? Are led by the Spirit of God. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffered with him, that we may be also glorified together. So, this is a, if we are telling ourselves that, that we're not loved or somehow we're unlikable, that is, that is a lie. And the truth is, God says, you're my son. I welcome you into my family as an adopted child. And I have been adopted, but I can just imagine the love that is. If, so, if, if a parent goes out and says, I want to adopt you, there's great love in that. So, tell yourself, you are loved. You are loved greatly. <clears throat> That's what God tells us. And one more truth I think we can use to combat this fear that comes up in us sometimes is, and this is directly related to some of the fears I had of feeling like a failure, God uses my weakness to display his strength. So one verse that I have used a lot in my personal life, just if I'm coming up against something and I'm really afraid that I'm going to make a mistake or I'm going to mess up, I just remember what in 2 Corinthians 12... Paul says here, he says, he's talking to God about some weakness or some difficulty he had in his life. And he said, Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So that's really powerful. If we're living under a fear of feeling like we're a failure, um, I tell myself that's just a greater chance for God to glorify himself in me. And that's, that's a really powerful truth to tell us. So the first thing is tell ourselves the truth rather than lying to ourselves. That helps break down that, that um, boundary of fear. The second thing is obedience. So to think about obedience, I wanted to go to Hebrews chapter 11, which is probably one of the chapters in the Bible that talks the most about faith of any chapter. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews 11 like I said, is, is full of men of faith, and I'm not going to take time to, to um, talk about all of them. I am planning to read the chapter, though, and let you guys think about that. But the second, um, the second thing that I think, the second step in moving from fear to faith is obedience. And obedience can be difficult. Maybe it's one of the most difficult things that we find in this whole process. But we see this in the story of Abraham here. So I'm going to read from Hebrews 11, first eight verses. We're going to go down to Abraham, where it talks about obedience. And it just says, I'm going to read the first verses as well. It talks a lot about faith. Verse 1, it says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. 
through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen are, were not made of things which do appear. So it's through faith that we can believe that this is how God created this to be. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. And translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his, of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. So I'll just pause there for a bit. So obedience actually probably comes into play in all of these individuals in here, but I think and specifically about Abraham, it felt like there was a number of times he needed to, he needed to pursue obedience. And I said obedience probably is one of the hardest steps in this. That's one of the hardest steps I found because sometimes we actually like to hang on to this fear. We feel control. We want the control. We want, want to feel... Like we got something, we kind of want to talk to other people about how bad we're feeling, but it's, it's about letting go. We have to obey what these truths are and let go if we really want to move from fear to faith. So, and then I have one more, um, one more step to help us from fear to faith, and that's found in um, chapter 12. I think... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to um, actually skip over some of the verses in Hebrews chapter 11. There's a lot in there, but just for sake of time, I think we'll move on. Um, let me see. I'm going to break in at verse 32, and we'll just talk about a few more people that are for faith, and then read down through chapter 12. Verse 32 of Hebrews 11 says, And what more shall I say, for the time shall fail me, to tell of Gideon and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not without us should not be made perfect. So there's a lot of things in there, but I think it's saying some of these men were men of faith before they knew the path of Jesus. So we have we have that that we know now today. And the first two verses 
in chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So my third point for you in moving from fear to faith is look to Jesus. Um, there's many things, many ways we can lose sight of what the truth is, but we can always look to Jesus. And it says, the author and finisher of our faith. So that really made sense to me in thinking about this. Jesus, if we see Jesus as one with God, he was the creator of the universe. He created this thing that God said is good. And then he also is the finisher. He has come back and he has said... Um, or he has given his life on the cross, and I, he said, I can finish, finish the work that was done, and now we can come back into relationship with God. So, yeah, a big part of living by faith is just believing in, in um, healing and redemption. It's something I talk about a lot. I think it's, it feels really personal to me, because I know how broken I can be, and I think each of you know how broken you can be. And... We can get caught up in how broken we are and caught up in a cycle of fear. But Jesus has come to break that down and says we can be brought back into relationship with God. So I guess my encouragement to you just to take with you going, for, going from here. Um, how can we start breaking down those walls of fear? I don't know what walls of fear are in your life or how thick they are or how big they are. But we can start breaking them down because God created us to be in a relationship with him and let's not keep that from happening just to go back again to the verse i read at the beginning um first john four i just want to read the first part there again four verse 18 there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out fear so god does not want us to be fearful people he wants us to be in perfect love with him and with others and there is a path to do that but it's it's a um it's a path that takes um, diligence to walk. I know it's easy to fall back into our, our normal way of, of doing things and being fearful. But if we pursue it with diligence and seek God anytime those things come up, we can be men of faith and women of faith. Let's um, bow our heads for prayer. <clears throat>